0: We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Pastor Jim. Welcome. I'm Pastor Jim. Come on in. Hey, thanks. Um, Hey, there's a lot I've been enjoying about your church. And I just wanted to ask a few questions about what your church is really all about. John, we're a family here. Our people tend to act and talk a certain way. You don't sound like you've been here very long. Our people have a certain confidence and air about them. Oh, Pastor Jim, I I, uh, I love that your church is a family. And that's that's what I'm looking for, the church that's a family. But do you have to talk the same way everyone else does? I mean, isn't isn't the church all about following Jesus? Jesus, yeah, Jesus. Uh, of course, Jesus. Jesus is very important. But personal growth and success, financial stewardship, uh, voting is very important. Voting is important. But of course, it all goes comes back to Jesus. But do you expect all of us to, to look and act the same way. Everyone's still welcome here, right? And am I welcome? Oh, of course, everyone is welcome here, John. Okay, take me for instance. I, I want to follow Jesus, but I have a lot of doubts, and I have a lot of questions. Are people who, who doubt welcome to come and figure out what they believe here? <sighs> Carl, every week, I'm moved by your acting. Really, truly. It comes from a place, I think, of like this, your serious face of like, whoa, I hope he never comes to my office and asks me those questions. Uh, we're glad you're here, and we're glad that uh, we can celebrate Carl. And also, again, I mentioned this last time, uh, Oscar nominations come out Tuesday. You never know. There's sometimes some surprises, so we're stoked about that. Hey, we're, we're glad that you're here. If we haven't met before, my name is Colin. I'm the pastor here at Branches. And like I said, we're in this third week of this series called Red Flags, and it's been going really great. Last week, we had a special speaker, uh, Miguel de la Mora, who was speaking f- uh, for D-Now over the weekend, and he did a great job reminding us of of Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something else, it's it's Christ alone, it's Jesus alone. And when we start to add, as we just saw in the video, start to add something else, the the mission and the message kind of gets muddied, and so it's Jesus uh, on his own that we want to follow. And so this week we're talking about, as I just said, the way Christians speak Christian, and it can cut people out. And so we want to welcome you into this place and we want you to feel welcome and that you're not pushed aside. And part of that is uh, we want you to check in to let us know that you're here so we can let you know everything that's going on in the life of our community. Um, and so we can draw more people uh, to experience not just branches, but to experience God's grace and mercy for them and baptism or coming to the table uh, to receive communion or just kind of uh, any of the events or the groups that we have for people to grow in their spiritual lives. And so if you check in, especially if it's your first time here, we'd love to hear from you so we can check in with you and welcome you to our community. We're really, really glad that you're here. Uh, like I said, this week we're talking about how Christians speak Christian. And before I lose any of you, uh, I'm not, I, I don't expect that, but it's a possibility, I'll just like show my cards at the beginning and say, if you hear anything today, and if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, it's this, don't be weird. <laughs> and for some of you, it's not don't be weird, it's stop being weird. <laughs> um... And maybe uh, you're diving back into this Jesus thing for the first time in a long time, or maybe you're trying out church for the first time today, and you can nod along and say like, yeah, I've been around Christians before, and they say some wacky stuff. And it's not even just wacky like, in the content, content, that it's like you know, the kind of spiritual and supernatural things. Of course, Christians embrace that, that life is kind of strange, and that we say that God has come to be with us in Jesus, and all these sorts of things, and it's, it's strange. I, you know, When I start to think about other, the things that other people believe, I have to kind of check my Myself and think like, I, I believe some pretty crazy things too. But that's not a justification to be, you know, this kind of impenetrable, sort of quizzical, mysterious person and use words that people have never heard of before. And, I, you know, I like a $5 word uh, and I like to use them and I like to hear them too. And it, there's some places where actually it helps to use very specific vocabulary if you're trying to communicate a very specific thing. But if you watch The Office, you know, Kevin, number one character in my book. Uh, he says, why use many words when a few words do? You know, uh, He's talking about, uh, he's like, I want to go see world. And they don't understand, like, you want to go to see world or you want to see the world? You know, he's oversimplified it. Uh, and so I understand his motivation that we want to simplify things. And that's what we're talking about today, how we simplify the message of what Jesus had to say. But we don't want to say less than what it is, but we don't want to say more than what it is either. And I find myself on, on either end of that spectrum or maybe I oversimplify something that the Christian church or the Bible teaches and so it kind of just smooths over and just becomes like something else to try to be winsome and, and invite more people in, which is a great motivation. Or I speak so exclusively, in, so, like insider language, so much that people have no idea what I'm talking about. My friend Zach, back in Arkansas, uh, we became good friends uh, and his grandmother went to my church Uh, And we went to a wedding in Colorado. Uh, It was Zach's wedding. And Zach asked his grandma, he's like, Grandma, you know, my buddy Colin is one of your pastors. What do you think about him? And I was a young pastor, so I was dying to know. Uh, And she said, I love Colin. He's super sweet. I never understand a thing he says. (laughs) Uh, And it was an area of growth for me, you know, that I I wanted to be clear and simple, not dumb dumb things down, but say things in a way that people could hear them. You know, like starry-eyed seminary students, they just want to impress you and tell you all the big words they know. But it's not helpful for anyone trying to learn and follow Jesus. Jesus. Another thing uh, about me that kind of helps unpack this a little bit is I'm a board game guy. Any board game people out there? Yes. Let's go. Wow. It's, it's big now. It's awesome. Well, I think we should have an event. We're going to play board games. I just now decided. Um, Yes. Okay. Let's go. Those like um, uh, same amount of clapping almost for baptism. Uh, I love it. I'm here for it. Board games, baptism. I love, I love board games and I love all levels of board games. They kind of describe them in like terms of weight. There's like light board games and then there's heavy board games and then there's medium weight board games. And I like the whole spectrum. And really when you have kind of a more complex game, you can look online and there's actually like YouTube videos to, you don't have to read the book, you can watch the movie, which is a lot of people like to do uh, and get the rules that way. And I knew I was in deep on a particularly complex game. When I wasn't watching a video about the rules, I was watching a video about how to explain the rules to somebody else, uh, and because I've been there. And if you're a board game person, you've been there too. You're explaining the rules and their eyes glaze over. <laughs> Uh, you're explaining the rules and then you get halfway through and you realize like they have no idea how to play. (laughs) You're explaining the rules and you're realizing as you're reading them so confidently that you have no idea how to play it either. Inevitably, I think most people do this, you get to a point where you say, I think you probably all said this before, let's just start playing (laughs) and we'll figure it out as we go along. I think it's actually a really helpful metaphor in kind of understanding what it means to follow Jesus, even though there's some really complex things in Christian theology and in the church. There's also some really simple things that are really easy to communicate is to say, let's, let's just start playing. In some ways, I think that's what Paul is saying in um, First, First Corinthians. And if you're in education, you may know that one of the highest levels of a knowledge of a subject is to be able to explain a really complex idea in a really simple way. Like, you know you've mastered it when you're able to take something that's really hard to understand and share it with someone in a really simple way. And I think there's a facet of that in Paul's writing today. So we're in the, the letter to the Corinthians, the first one, uh, chapter nine, starting in verse 16. And it says this, "'If I proclaim the gospel, "'this gives me no ground for boasting, "'for an obligation is laid on me, "'and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel.'" For if I do this of my own will, I have, a, I have a reward, but if not my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I make the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. And then here's the part we want to zero in on today. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some, if I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, your word is difficult, often confusing and frustrating, often confronts us with things we don't quite understand and we may pretend we understand it or we may glaze over it, help us understand it today simplify it for us in your love, draw close to us in our hearing of it, and then help us as we leave this place today to simply share it with another, even just one other person, your goodness, your love, your care for us, your attention to us, and most of all, that you came to be with us in your son, Jesus the Christ. May that be the simple thing that we share together in your name, amen. A little background for you as we read this letter today that Paul knew this Corinthian community really well. And you can read it in the book of Acts that when he was with the Corinthians, he was there for about a year and a half, and he got to know them really well and kind of spurred their Christian community along in a place in Corinth that had temples to a bunch of other gods and was a a port city. So it had a, a lot of people coming in and out of it and a lot of different cultures and very, very diverse. And we can actually map onto Corinth a similar city, the one that we live in, Houston, but people from all over the world came to this place, and Paul thought it's a strategic thing to do to go into Corinth and say, I'm going to share this new thing that's happened to me in Jesus with everybody else. And he really meant everybody else, because the commission that was given him, as he describes it here, is to go from Jerusalem, to go from this kind of center point city to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth had somehow all come and converged on this city in Corinth. So if you read in Acts chapter 18, you can kind of read a little bit more about that. But also in the previous chapter in Acts, in Acts chapter 17, you hear some of Paul's preaching. And he actually preaches the way he describes here in Corinthians. He actually says to his hearers, you guys have this tomb to this unknown God. And he says, you know, actually, you can know God. He uses something in their Own experience and their own culture, in their own way of understanding, in their own vocabulary, if you want to say that. And he says, it's actually kind of like that. Or actually, I can help you take a step closer to what I mean when you hear me. If you look in 1 Corinthians, he's kind of doing the same thing that he that he looks at a problem people have, and he takes just a little facet of, just a little piece of the gospel, just a a little piece of Jesus' story. And he, and he uses it as a lens and looks over that problem and says, here's how we can fix it. Or here's how we can understand it better. The passage that we read today is actually the passage on food. There's a conflict about what people can and can't eat in Corinth. And so he says, I've become all things to all people. For some of you, it's good to eat these things. For some of you, it's not. It's not. And so, he again, he takes a problem or some experience they have or some vocabulary or some, some part of their culture in their own life and says, look, this is how Jesus can address it. In short, you know, we believe these things about Jesus now and he's calling us to live in a certain way because we believe them. Let me simplify it for you. Let me, let me say it in a way that you might understand. He says, I've been entrusted with this reward, I've been entrusted with this good news, I've been entrusted with this new family and this story about this family, and now you're a part of it, and I'm helping us live into that name we all bear now. And so wherever you've been, if you're a slave or you're free, if you're male or female, if you're a Jewish person, that is as he describes a person under the law, if you're a Gentile, somebody who's not part of that law community, there's something here for you. Make yourself as your hearer is another way he puts it. Say it in a way that people understand. And that doesn't mean, again, to like baby people or to be condescending or to be rude, but it actually puts the onus on you to learn about your neighbor, to learn about the people you encounter, to take the risk and be vulnerable enough to even literally learn another language to speak to somebody you see all the time. I think about this a lot. Like I took, um, you know, grade school Spanish. And I took Spanish in college for my uh, language credit. And I took biblical Hebrew in um, a seminary. Uh, As you might imagine, not as practical as Spanish uh, in Houston, uh, but still a little practical. And I think I've learned something. I had a friend of mine who speaks Spanish really well. He's like, you have to be willing to embarrass yourself. That's, I mean, don't be weird and embarrass yourself. That could be the sermon today, you know? <laughs> Go forth and embarrass yourself. But truly, I think sometimes we're so resistant to like, okay, I don't, I don't quite know the word. I think I know what they believe. I think I know what, what, what they're about. Um, and embarrass yourself. Say it a little bit wrong. And then ask them for help. Stay, take the step and say like, I, I, think, I think you're saying this. Could you, could you repeat it back to me? Be willing to take the risk to embarrass yourself. Because Paul says, essentially, it's worth it. I've become all things to all people, and it's a wide, wide open door, all things to all people, just to save some. I learn everything about my neighbors, even if only one responds. I care and give love to every person I encounter, even if one person only, thinks, only one person thinks it's authentic and good and good for them. It's worth it, Paul says, and here's where we live. And depending on the estimate, let's go with a more conservative estimate, that there's 145 languages spoken in our city. Let's, okay, I'm going to take my own advice and embarrass myself. I only know one. <laughs> and my neighbors know so many. And you're running in Memorial Park, or you're walking in HEB, or you're stuck in traffic and you hear someone, uh, you know it's a bad word, but it's not one that you know because it's in another language. <laughs> We live in a city where we rub up against and are shoulder to shoulder with people we do not understand. And not just in foreign language, but also in uh, culture and background. We talk a lot about generational difference these days. And day by day, this is speaking for myself, I feel more alienated and out of touch. (laughs) But we learn the language of our neighbor, not to bait and switch them, not to manipulate them, but because we love them and we have something, honestly, if Jesus has changed your life, that we wanna share And also because we have this motivation just to love people, not just to get them to agree with us, we want to be able to speak with them and be with them and live in community with them. Pastors um, are the worst about using insider language. And it's a growing edge, I think, for a lot of faith leaders. Uh, And when we get together, it's kind of like this contest, like who's read what and who knows the biggest word and who went to Princeton or one of the other lesser schools or something, you know. I, this, I have a friend that went to Princeton and he does not act like that, but there are others that do. Uh, <laughs> and so we, we have these conversations and there's always this really great moment where someone says like, oh, did you read that? Um, and uh, the person says, oh no. Um, uh, or another one says, yes, I did, I read it, I really enjoyed it. And there's the test, like, what did you think of it? Or what did you think about chapter nine? Oh, um, What did you think about chapter nine? Uh, I want to know, I want to make sure that you read it. So if you say it first and then like, uh, I just want, what did you think? You know, that you didn't actually try to impress somebody else. Pastors are, are the worst about this. And it extends then to Christians who we use words to cut people out or to draw the circle smaller when we should be drawing it wider or to test one another and not draw one another in. Of course, this past week we celebrated somebody who in my estimation, his main goal was to draw more people in. When I look at the life of Do- Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I see someone who said there are people who are outside the circle and literally who are being, having language used against them to keep them out, that they don't belong, that they're not part of this, that they're being set aside because of how they look and how they were born. And the simplicity of the message is so powerful to just draw back to a founding document of our country and say, all people are created equal. That's simple, but as he learned and as he experienced and as the people that were part of the civil rights movement experienced, it's complex. But he could simplify it and he could just repeat it over and over again and he could just start this movement and be the figurehead for this movement that draw more people in. And his clarity around it and his pointedness of it And is drawing attention to it over and over and over again. The simplicity of it is what upset people. Like, it can't be that simple. And he said, no, yeah, it really is that simple. And again, for him, we we talked about the Dr. King. The other part of this is the Reverend King who was called by Jesus to draw more people into the circle. On Monday, uh, I was in Atlanta at Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is Dr. King's church. And it was uh, this celebration Of the movement. The theme uh, this year for the celebration in Atlanta was, It Starts With Me. I think it's a really great way of looking at our discipleship to Jesus and how it extends to to work that we do to draw more people in. And I was looking at the speaker list. We didn't know who was on the speaker list until we got there. Incredible. Um, Well, of course, Senator Warnock, who's currently the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist, who's a Democrat, is on the left side of the spectrum. And then further down the list, former representative Liz Cheney (laughs) on the other end of the spectrum politically. And then for some reason in the middle, Ben Stiller. I'm still wrestling with that. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, oh, wow, look at all these amazing political figureheads. And then Zoolander's here. Uh, (laughs) uh, But actually, you can go watch his speech on YouTube. Really, really powerful. And a, a beautiful thing happened. And I know saying Raphael Warnock or saying Liz Cheney evokes your disgust or ire, or frustration, or anger, or disagreement, even just like an immediate physiological reaction, maybe. Uh, And I think for a lot of people in the room, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, you can kind of expect some guttural guttural reaction to them. Uh, Both of them, and I'll say what Liz Cheney said, she began to speak, and she said, there's something about King's message they had hugged when they both arrived there. He said, there's something, she said, there's something about King's message that made me want to hug Raphael Warnock. (laughs) And a laugh broke out in the room because they couldn't be further apart politically, but something about the simplicity of Dr. King's message drew them together. And they both pointed it back to this central truth. They said, "When, when truth impacts the world, it rises up again. And this truth that they experienced was that all people are created equal and all people should belong. And all people can be part of, for their estimation, part of this American experience in this American experiment? And we map that then onto our own church experience. How are we speaking in a way that cuts people out? What words and language and vocabulary are we using to impress one another and at the same time, uninvite someone else? How are we, with our language, fostering and inviting and actually encouraging people to have awkward hugs? <laughs> people who shouldn't sit shoulder to shoulder, People who do not agree or look like one another or are from different backgrounds, but can say, in the simplicity of the message of Jesus, I'm willing to walk alongside and learn alongside and grow alongside even you. On one end or the other. It begins with how we speak. It begins by what we say. It begins by the invitations that we we, we give to others, but we give a little bit of an exception. Like you can come if, or you can be part of this, but... Or you're part of the circle, if only you would do this. How do we talk that excludes people? Today, we're um, giving third grade Bibles to our third graders, which is one of my favorite Sundays. But it's also kind of this daunting Sunday where I, during the week, read 1 Corinthians and I come across a passage and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. So third graders... Here you go. (laughs) Like, let's do this. Let's figure this out together. But it's part of that task that we're talking about, that in the complexity of the Bible and however many times I've read most of the passages in it, there are some places I come, I'm like, I know I'm coming to this and I can't wait to skim past it. Or I know I'm coming to this part and I don't understand it and I have some weaselly way to explain my way out of it. Or I come to this one and it's so simple and so I feel like I've got it, I understand it. uh, And because I have that confidence, I miss it in my day-to-day life. When we give Bibles to third graders, we're not saying, take this complex book and good luck. <laughs> we're saying, I commit to you and I commit to the other people in this community and I commit to our pastors and I commit to our leadership and I commit to the person I sit by every week who I don't know their name. that this is hard. This is complex, but there's some simplicity to it. And part of that simplicity is that, let's just be honest. We sang it. God didn't want heaven without us, so he brought heaven down. They came to be with us in Jesus Christ. And in every moment, we dare to believe he's drawing us more and more to himself. And we see it in baptism, and we'll experience it at the table. And we see it when we wake up and come to community in the morning. And we see it when we grab our cup of coffee. And we see it when we share a smile with someone when we come in. And we're being invited over and over and over again. Is there somebody I'm not noticing? Is there somebody in the way that I speak because I use lofty language in my speech or even in my prayer? that's cutting people out. Uh, Pastor Travis, at our friends over at Embrace Church in South Dakota, uh, preached a sermon about the weird things Christians say, and I wanna end with this. He said, the worst thing, the weirdest thing that Christians say is nothing. Say something. There's the challenge of saying like, maybe it's too complex and I'm not gonna explain it very well, or maybe I'm gonna oversimplify it and not actually give it its due. If anything, uh, embarrass yourself, don't be weird. And if you can't do either of those things, just say something in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gifts of our voice. Help us steward our voices well. Help us say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Help us lift up the lowly with our words. Help us include more people in our invitation to others. Help us foster community that doesn't make sense to outsiders looking in, that they want to be part of it. Help us speak the words that you've given us in simplicity and beauty, in the depth of them, that there's more to them than we can originally hear. Speak through us, fill our words with your word and help us most of all to say that word that can fell the most evil thing, that can bring comfort to the most hurting person, the name of Jesus. Help us say it, help us repeat it. Help us invite others to it. In his name we pray, amen.